0: You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Revelation 1, 4 through 4-7 reads, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the Kings of the earth to him who loves and releases us from his, from our sins by his blood. And he made us into a kingdom priest to his God and father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming in with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, and the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. This is the beginning of John the Revelator's book, Revelation, which is a letter to seven different churches. What does this beginning address to the churches? How is it relevant to the whole church today, Dr. Rayner?
1: Well, my first thought goes to Luke's gospel. I think, I think I have this right. You know, when Christ returns, he's going to ask the question, um, who, who will I find faithful? And the book of revelation written, um, in a way that challenges the church to get right with God. Now we often think of revelation in terms of the future and the signs that point to Christ's return. And I think there's some, certainly some validity to studying Revelation in that way, but th- the better perspective of Revelation is, what are you doing now? How are you preparing now for Christ's return? Because he is going to come back. And the question will be that he asks, who, who, is, who is found faithful? So I read Revelation with that perspective of what am I doing now to be within the will of god what am i doing now to prepare for his coming and how am i leading my church now um so the word that pops into my mind is now whatever you whatever you should be doing for god you need to do it now
0: mm. Amen. hey everybody welcome to the whole church podcast i am one of your co-host joshua knoll I know it's sad, but I'm joined by the greatest co-host of all time, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a while. It's been a week. Yeah, we have a a couple guests today that uh, we have guest host Brandon Knight. He's been on before. Uh, Hopefully you know him from My Seminary Life podcast. Great show. Uh, Brandon, uh, thank you for joining us for this.
2: Thank you for making me the designated third wheel of this conversation.
0: You know, That's what I strive to do. That's what I strive to. No, uh, Brandon has some valuable insight uh, having gone through seminary recently, so it'll help us with some of our questions today for the one and only Dr. Sam Rayner. He is the president of Church Answers, the co-founder and co-owner of Rayner Publishing, the president of Revitalize and Network, and co-host of EST for the Established Church Pod, and... He is the lead pastor at West Brantenton Church in the great state of Florida. How do you have time for anything
1: else, Dr. Rayner? You know, I, I do stay a little busy, but I've got a good team around me. Um, so I, I give credit to my church staff, the staff at Church Answers. Um, they, uh, they 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 do a lot of good, so they 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 make me sound good. I guess it's it's all credit goes to them. All right, well, thank you for joining us today.
0: We're really excited to ask you just about church answers in the established church today.
1: All right. And yeah, you know, I've got a few opinions. I'm glad to share them. So
3: Sweet. Uh, please consider rating the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps us out a lot. And I would love to know how bad you think the show is. Josh would like to know how good you think the show is. That's, you know. I'll write one of both. Please, one of us. I prefer good ratings. Please.
0: <laughs> um, so, Dr. Rayner. Uh, I know you. you have not had a chance to look at the outline yet, but uh, one thing we like to do early on. You just sent
1: it to me this morning. What do you expect? I've (laughs) been in meetings all day. Come on, exactly. You just read his bio, Josh. He's a funny guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen. This is going to make it more fun for me uh, because early on each episode, uh, we like to start with my favorite form of church unity, which is silliness, because it's absolutely impossible to argue when you're being this darn silly and today's question and I'm so happy we also get to force Brandon to answer this um, we'll all answer it first give you time to think about it Dr. Rainer if you had to spend the day living as an inanimate object which object would you choose to be for a day TJ
3: just one inanimate object Yeah. yeah uh hmm I was gonna say like Serena Williams's tennis racket, something that gets treated extremely well, and then I remembered like a few months ago she absolutely destroyed one because she was mad. Uh, so I'm gonna go with like a toaster. Huh? Yeah, I like bread. Most people don't even use their toaster, so <laughs> I like. Bread. I mean, I, I suppose that's a safe accurate. option. Um,
0: you know, you know, I'm gonna be trendy. I want to be an air fryer. Uh, everybody just loves their air fryer so much these days. And I would just like the affection. I think
3: it's true. Yeah. I do love my air fryer.
2: Yeah. All right, Brandon, uh, which inanimate object would you choose to be for a day? Oh, so easy. Totally. One of those like Pixar styled lamps, you know, the, you know, it comes out and <laughs> jumps one of those yeah. desk lamps that look like that. That's what I would want to be. Cause those things are cool. I have one right here. You can't see it, but it's right here on my desk. <laughs>
0: nice nice all right dr rayner which inanimate object would you choose to
2: be
1: for a day i'm gonna go with the baseball because it's a sport that i love and you know the perspective you know if you if the baseball had eyeballs so you could see like what the (laughs) baseball sees then that would be that would be a rather fun trip i think but in MLB, cool, yeah. in MLB baseball, let me let me paraphrase. I don't want to be some baseball stuck in some kid's drawer, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Just Some random baseball. Right. I, yeah. wanna, I wanna yeah. want to see the perspective.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to be the game ball. There you go. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. pretty thrilling. There's some high speeds there. Be a good time.
3: Yeah, you yeah. know, 202 out of the park. But now that we've settled that, uh, one way that we found that really helps establish Christian unity is to hear one other story. Uh, for those who haven't read it yet, could you give us just a snapshot of your testimony?
1: Oh, of me? Uh, you talking to me? Yes, yes. Brandon right. does not get asked questions here. Well, yeah, and if if Brandon, if you have any feedback or comments on my testimony, oh, totally. I, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly welcome, welcome <laughs> you to, uh, to jump right in. I've never critiqued um,
2: someone's sermon or someone's testimony before, but why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 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 fair game, so. You know, I've been in the church my whole life. It's a pretty boring testimony, and that's a good thing. Um, I want my children to have boring testimonies and that they accepted Christ at an early age. You know, they lived a faithful life. Um, They were were within the will of God. And anything that came their way was because of God's will, not because of some stupid action on their part. So, um, you know, I, I certainly... You know, I certainly uh, understand those who have very dramatic conversions. And I think the church needs those stories, too, um, because they, they're they powerful um, and it captures the attention. My story does not. Um, but that's OK. <laughs> um, it's just fine. I was seven, eight years old. I remember walking the aisle in my dad's church. He was the pastor at the time. And the thought in my head as the Holy Spirit moved me, was I'm not walking to my earthly father. I am walking to my heavenly father. Mm. Um, And I remember my dad tearing up and, you know, him walking me through the plan of salvation, me accepting Christ um, in a way that, you know, a seven, eight-year-old understands. And um, me just thinking this is the decision that I have to make um, in in order to be saved. Mm. And, you know, Christ has done this for me. So I am going to make a decision for him. Um, and it was, uh, it, it was Hopewell Baptist church. Um, and, uh, I still have some kind of vague memories of the stained glass that was there. And, mm. you know, that moment, I still have some memories of that moment. Um, I wish my parents had written the day down. Cause I, I don't know the date, <laughs> but, um, that was somewhere, somewhere in seven, seven or eight, uh, years old. And, uh, and, and I've kind of just Lived a life that um though it had some rocky points between sixteen and twenty um you know i've I've pretty much just very steadily grown in Christ since that time and uh haven't you know lived perfectly, of course um I still need a lot of sanctification, but God has been good um got a wonderful family, my wife is incredible, I have four and a half kids, and I say half because we foster. Um, so you never know how many kids, I think there are seven children at my house today. Um, so I'm glad oh. to be talking to you guys, um, <laughs> and, uh, not in the chaos that is my home, but, uh, uh, yeah, my testimony is very boring. Um, was called to ministry in my early twenties, was bivocational pastor for a season. Uh, now I'm co what I call co-vocational, uh, in that I pastor a church, I'm a lead pastor here at West Bradenton, but I also do some other stuff like church answers. Wow. All
2: right. All right. Nice. Well, speaking along the line of Church Answers, you know, you talked about briefly there that your dad was also a pastor and you come from a ministry family. What insights do you have into why your father founded Church Answers and what led you to get involved yourself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a long story. (laughs) That's actually a longer story than my testimony. Um, And I do appreciate you asking about the company. The company started back in 1988, 1989 um when i was 8 9 years old um we were living in florida um in st petersburg and my dad was asked by another area pastor just to help and so he w- gave him a report you know went over there you know basically consulted he didn't know he was consulting and then the the area pastor called him back after he'd submitted the report and said what well, well, what are you going to charge for this my dad was like charge you know i I didn't know I was supposed to, um, so so he started a little business just to help churches, um, and it started if I remember the name right back in the late eighties, early nineties. It was Church Growth Visions, I think, and that sounds very yeah. late eighties, early nineties, right out of the church growth <laughs> movement. Yeah, it's, uh, you know totally, totally something from that era, and the you know the company has just kind of grown steadily since then. Uh, there was a season where my dad went to be uh, president of Lifeway. And he handed the reins to me. Uh, it was actually about 13 years that he was at Lifeway. And then when he retired from Lifeway, he kind of came back and said, well, let's, you know, let's really grow this thing. And, you know, since about 2016, 2017, when the the idea of Church Answers began, but it, you know, it was it was birthed out of Church Growth Visions and Rainer Group and all mm-hmm. these cons- consultations that we had been doing. But we wanted to, to the, the idea behind Church Answers was. It actually started with a very simple idea. You know, consultations can be expensive and sometimes pastors just have like a question. Like, I just want mm-hmm. this question answered. I don't want to hire you for all this money to do a full, you know, broad scope consultation. I just, can you just answer this question? And so we created Church Answers Central, uh, which is part of our subscription where 24 seven, you can just get into what amounts to a forum and ask a very basic question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, v- extraordinarily cheap, 10 bucks a month. And, you know, anytime you need help, you can get into that forum and seek the answers that you need. Um, So we were looking for a very low cost way of helping churches so that pastors can get the answers that they want. And it's grown from there. We started, you know, doing resources and certifications and all sorts of other things that Church Answers does now. Um, But yeah, it was birthed out of the idea of let's go help churches. And my dad didn't even know when he started it back in the late eighties that he was supposed to charge people. So that's, that's how <laughs> that's it all awesome. began. And <laughs> yeah, today and now today where, um, you know, our reach is about, you know, depending on how you count your, cause we give away 95% of our resources, mm-hmm. then we charge that's 5%. Awesome. So the, the model is, yeah, we, we, you know, we got to pay the bills. We have 24 people that are on our team, not all full time, but, um, and you know, they, they count on the company for, you know, their payroll, but how can we do this in a way that, you know, the vast majority of what we do is just free to the church. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a model, we have sponsorships, and then we have about 5% of our products that we charge for. Um, But 95% of our stuff we, you know, we do for free. And um, it's been a fun ride. Our, Our resource reach is, you know, five to eight million a year and we're in every country in the world and two out of three churches in the United States. So, you know, it's, we've got a pretty broad audience that we're glad to have and honored to have. Um, But I think it's partly because of our model, because the, the vast majority of people that interact with us are consuming the free content, which we're glad we're glad to do that. Um, We want to help as many churches as we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Chances are, uh, if you've been in church leadership for any extended period of time, probably use some of resources from church answers. You probably know the Rainer
1: family name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry if you do, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great stuff. <laughs> yeah. So does
3: church answers answers have resources for churches outside of the evangelical circles,
1: like the Orthodox and Catholic church leaders? Yeah, we, we interact with any number of um, different tribes Uh, we've done some work for people outside of, you know, an evangelical tribe. We do lean more conservative and we don't, you know, we don't hide that fact. Um, Uh you know, that's just our bent. We're Bible believing. Um, and, you know, we, we always consult and, you know, um, help churches with the perspective of a high, the high, we have a high view of the sovereignty of God. We have a high view of God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, and but we we help any number of churches with any number of things. we're we're known for practical church leadership. Um, we don't we don't often get asked theological questions because well, there's people that are more skilled theologians than we are. As a pastor, I do consider myself a theologian. I think every pastor needs to be skilled theologically and understand. Yeah you know, the basics of the faith, and certainly the fundamentals of the faith, but also be able to communicate to your church and teach your church. Mm-hmm. So every pastor is a theologian, but people don't come to us for nuanced views of theology. There are others who do that much better than we do. Um, what we do is things like, how do you read financial statements at the church? How do you deal with the cantankerous deacon? Um, what's the best structure for our church? Um, you know, I've got all these leadership issues and I've all these people issues. How do I get through this? Um, th- that's really what we feel like we add to um, the church conversation. Uh, so we do end up helping a you know a broad group of people, um, and it from just in any, any number of tribes. We're dealing, we're doing a lot with the Methodists right now. Mm. Um, we've done a lot with the Nazarenes in the past, um, and in any given season we can be working with. Goodness, a variety of denominations and and uh, people of different backgrounds, and, and that's fun. It makes it exciting, and I learn. I learn <laughs> nice. a lot when you listen and you research and you dive into w- others who you may have very little knowledge about. You you really learn a ton, and I think that learning process is is helpful for everybody. I wish more people would do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a large part of why we wanted to have you on the show. Is we. I
0: love your resources and how much I see polls and different things from all these different kinds of denominations. I'm like, this guy mm-hmm. is working with the whole church. So it makes sense for him to be on the whole church podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been a few churches that we've had to turn down because of some differences in beliefs. Um, but we kind of viewed them as not really holding to they, they were they didn't have a proper understanding of the gospel and that's our dividing line. So if anybody asks, well, how do you know who you can work with and who you can't work with? Um, really the, the, the line comes down to do you have a, a proper understanding of the gospel? And if you do, then hey, we're glad to help you. Yeah. What would be your one sentence or two sentence?
0: What is the gospel? Jesus. All
1: right. Yep.
2: Perfect. <laughs> I mean, thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, we'll so see you what, next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So what yeah. what is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the UN uh good spell uh is the uh you know, is the um old English. Yeah. So that's where the word it's an gospel is an English word. Good the, the translation in, in Greek is is good news. Um so th- you know, the gospel that, that word euangelion is um you know, somebody would ride into town and say, Good news, good news, euangelion. and then they the people the people of the town would crowd around and hear the news. Um and it was typically in a you know, a, some great military leader is fought a battle and won and you know all of that stuff but the early church took hold of that good news and jesus christ preached it himself and basically said this is the, the good news for all so good news for me is um christ himself his message and the the culmination of god's plan of redemption huh. But you put me on the spot with that. So I, mean, <laughs> I want to, I've got all these, I'm, I'm looking over here, you can't see, but I've got all my books and I'm like, I need to dig into all those systematic theologies. And we've got a whole <laughs> shelf of books about what is the gospel. Um, so I'm sure somebody who's written a book, you know, about the gospel would say, well, Sam, I might tweak that answer just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in essence, it's Jesus. It's his message and God's plan of redemption and yeah. how people are saved.
0: Love it. Absolutely.
2: So you brought up earlier talking about church answers, uh, more of a resource for more of the administrative side rather than the theology side that pastors may come with. Over on my show, I'm not a usual host over here on my show, My Seminary Life. I talk about the stuff I'm studying in grad school right now. And I just finished a class all about ministry administration. So I wanted to ask you, It was an interesting class. It was kind of like a TED Talk with a Bible verse, but um, (laughs) I learned a lot, got a lot of good resources out of it. I was curious to ask you, though, what role, what is the significance of administration in a church? Because I think for a lot of people, they see administration as busy work or as something that may be less than compared to the theology, the preaching, the teaching. What is the significance of administration in a church?
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about this from the perspective of a lead pastor. Sure. Um, Because that's typically the person who is preaching. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I believe in the centrality of Christ. I believe in the centrality of the word of God in the church. Um, There's nothing higher than the proclamation of the word of God to the ends of the earth. So let's just get that out of the Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's that's a non-negotiable to me. That being said um you you know let's say you're in a church that has um i don't know a $3000 a week budget or something like mm-hmm. that well you need to produce financial statements there's accounting practices that must be enacted there's bookkeeping that needs to be done um the light bills still need to be paid and who's going to pay them um you, you know you have operations of the church and without considerations of those operations well, your church ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here I'm in Florida, and if we don't pay the electric bill, mm-hmm. well, that's going to be a really bad week if people have to come to church in August mm-hmm. and the the is off. Uh, so administration is what keeps the church running at a very practical level. And to dismiss administration is um, – to, to, to make some very big mistakes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think every pastor needs to have a basic understanding of what a balance sheet and an income statement is. I mean, it, it, if not, it, we, somebody's going to steal from you. I can point to you, literally mm-hmm. steal. Like the, mm-hmm. somebody is going to figure out all your weak points and steal from you. And then on the other side of things is just basic stuff like child safety. Yeah. Well, you mm-hmm. know, I don't, you know, I don't want to do administration. I I preach the word, just preach the word. How many times have I heard that? <laughs> How do you be a pastor? Just preach the word. That is the worst advice that has ever been given in the history of the world. Okay. I know that's hyperbole, but it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do about child safety? Sure. Like, okay, just preach the word. Great. Okay. You, you have... Ten families that showed up this Sunday, they all have young children. How are you going to keep those young children safe when they drop them off at the nursery or the, the children's area? Mm-hmm. What, what are you running background checks on all of your people? Um, do you do you understand who's working with these children? Have you have they been trained? Um, yeah. You know, there's there's any number of things that administration do, that, that administration does for you in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something as basic as well. You need to read financial statements, and you got to have a really good bookkeeper or somebody's going to steal from you or even worse. Okay. You don't have any child safety procedures. So guess where all the predators are going to go. They're coming to your church. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have good administ- administration, you actually attract the embezzlers and the predators. Huh. They will come to your church because they know you are weak there. Yeah. Huh. Um, and I can point to you case after case, after case, after case of churches that were had very poor administrative procedures and policies And um, they got burned, and they got burned badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And your policies and procedures, by the way, are a reflection of your bylaws, which are a reflection of your polity. So this really is a theological issue at its core. Yeah. Because church polity is theology. Well, your your polity should be based. Should be. Sound. theology. I understand there's differences on polity, big differences. But I think there are several that actually um, have some pretty good arguments for for what they do from a theological perspective. Um, So yeah, at the core of administration is polity, which is theology. Um, So I would say, you know, as you peel the the layers of the onion back, what you do find is a theological foundation for administration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even the word itself, this was part of the class that uh, one of the very first
2: weeks we had to do a word study on administration and it it literally finds its roots in coming alongside of a priest to do the work of ministry. Like this is mm. at its foundation a Christian word that needs to be a part of any church regardless of size. So
1: yeah, I agree with mm. you. There you go. Sounds like it's a great, great class. It <laughs> it it was,
2: and so it was a lot of good information. I think delivery just needed a little bit of work. That's all. But it's an online course, so what do you expect? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, so one last question that I have for you I think we have a couple more questions for you but one last question for myself uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast EST for the
1: established church well I appreciate you asking yeah you can go to EST.church it'll take you right there um, our our podcast started many years ago when there really wasn't much for established churches the church planting movement was very big when I was kind of coming of age as a pastor Um, and, you know, my, my twenties, I'm in my early forties now, um, 42 to be exact. So when I was, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old, it was all about church planting and Mm. nobody was talking about the established church. I think I'm one of the first people who kind of started using the term broadly Um, established church is a term that's always been around. But when I started, church revitalization wasn't even a phrase. It was like, oh, you're in a turnaround church. Hmm. Um, so there's this idea that, you know, there's 350,000 churches, depending on how you're counting. That's a real rough count in the United States. Um, and the vast majority of them, almost 90% of them will self-identify as needing some form of revitalization. So established churches need help. Mm-hmm. And this is the vast majority of congregations in the United States. And by the way, the median church size in the United States is like 65, 75 people. So most churches are smaller, at least what most people would say are small. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you go to a church of 100, that's actually not a small church. That's actually bigger than the, the typical sure. church. Yeah. Um, so we, we tend to think of these megachurches as what's the norm, and they're not. So we started EST simply because nobody was talking about the the stuff that established churches face. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of church planners. My brother has planted three churches. We support church planners. So I I, I think it's a both end strategy. Okay. I just want to go ahead and get that out of the way. Sure. People that listen to me know how I feel. But my expertise is the established church. I started in a mega church of six people without air conditioning. Mm. Um, and they're just getting rid of the outhouse. That's not <laughs> a joke. I mean, they literally put in a, indoor plumbing right before I got there. Wow um and then i made them do another capital campaign to put air conditioning in the, in the church and um <laughs> yeah. you know so when we talked about the th- when we talked about the throne room i mean it was not i mean it's not what you typically think of this is throne room in the church i mean they were all really excited at the fact that you you go to the bathroom inside now um, <laughs> and i love that church yeah. it was a wonderful church it, it'd been around since 1856 wow. wow established yeah established um and that's what most churches are so est was started because Man, we need people who love the established church. We need pastors to go into these churches to help turn them around, to revitalize them. And they can be a lot of fun. I mean, they're a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy awkward, which I do, I love, I love <laughs> awkward things in life. There's nothing more awkward than an established church. And, and if you can, if you can enjoy yourself and not take yourself too seriously, um, man, there's there's a lot of good that can happen in established churches. That's why we started the podcast, just mm. to talk about the things. That established churches face. Nice, yeah. If you like awkward, well, we'll be best friends in no time. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I cr- and if I if if I feel like things are getting too serious, I'll sometimes create awkward just to take the serious level down. Perfect.
3: Yeah, nice. I like to. Yeah. I like to just keep it steady. I never let it get serious.
1: <laughs> yeah. So okay, you you guys have things in parentheses next to your name. So Joshua is pirate. Brandon is dad. And it was it. TJ TJ. What what? Who are you? That's
3: uh, that's Tejes. That's just a nickname.
1: Uh, Tejes. Okay.
3: This, this is supposed to be our pronouns section.
1: Yeah, I know. Josh I know what's always the pronoun puts pirate. Like well, yeah. So I, I, just I get wanted that. to I get see
0: what it would let me put in there,
1: and it, it let me let you put, put anything in there. Yeah. But so I just but Tejes, if that whatever your name is, put Rain her. Like my last name's Rainer. I get it. I get the joke. <laughs> so your Rain her. Yeah, it's just a pun. <laughs> It's a wonderful pun. I applaud you. Thank you. Uh I mean kudos for the creativity. Really? <laughs>
0: well, I, it's I, one of my I never reasons. even noticed TJ's pronoun until like near the end. it's always a joke. It is. And I never noticed it till the end of the episode. i like
1: I didn't you know, and I didn't put I didn't put a pronoun in. I feel so left out. I just <laughs> did not.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it wasn't until I started putting pirate that people started actually putting something in there. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, uh, my, my, wanted- my six-year-old son, he loves pirates. Me we're too. in Florida and we're, we're, where DeSoto landed. So the pirate theme mm. is kind of, well, DeSoto yeah, was a conquistador, but the pirate stuff's all over where we live. Cool. So, yeah. There you go. It's Joshua. Great. You'd yeah. fit right in. Big yeah, guys. I love Florida.
0: <laughs> I actually grew up in Florida, but it was like Northern Florida.
1: That's the South. Yeah. <laughs> the further yeah. South you go in Florida, the further North you get. That's accurate. <laughs> Yeah. So we also wanted to make sure we got an opportunity
3: to ask you briefly about your newest book, The Church Revitalization Checklist. Uh, what was the inspiration for the book? What's it about and where can our readers find it?
1: Yeah, uh, Tyndale is the publisher. Um, you can find it on their website, uh, Christian Book. Um, Amazon, you know, if you're depraved, you you can go there. So, um, (laughs) but if you really want to support Christian publishing, buy it directly from from the publisher. That's always a good thing. Um, So, I'd encourage you to to go to to ten dollar for to Christian book. Both of those are great places to get your to get your resources. Um, I wrote church revitalization checklist because there was a lot of negativity out there about the established church, and you know, there's books written on the decline, the doomsday, the uh, you know words like autopsy my dad wrote a book called autopsy of a deceased church love that book and, by the way uh,
2: love that book. It's I a do, good book i do uh i do uh traveling preaching for churches in my area that are predominantly unhealthy churches so it's helped me out a lot you could pass that along
1: <laughs> that's great and there's there's good books out there on how everything is really bad in the church and i thought you know what it's time for a book and, and they're accurate these books are needed the mm-hmm. wake-up call is needed um, but I thought, you know what? I don't want to write another negative book. I want to write a book that's hopeful and a book that basically says, I believe in you. Mm. I be- you know, It's a hopeful guide. And the checklist uh, idea is very simple. It came from a book called Checklist Manifesto. Um, doctors have a checklist before they do a surgery. Pilots have a checklist that they go through before they fly a plane. And it's not that they don't know how to do their jobs. They know how to do their jobs. The checklist is there just to make sure that they don't miss anything. And that's... What, why I wrote the book. It's its a hopeful outlook for the church. And there's a very simple seven-part checklist that will just keep the the main things in front of you so that you don't forget as you're leading your church. It's really that basic. Um, I was just tired of reading a lot of negative books. And I thought, I'm going to write something that's a little more optimistic, a little more fun um, and hopeful. And so as you read the book, you will notice there's that whole tone. Um, you know, there's a reality check in there, of course, but the whole tone is your church can do this. You can do this. You ever ask your readers which inanimate object they would like to be for a day? <laughs> no, that's a new one. Um, actually, you know, when I do when I do membership classes and I have all these, you know, potential new members in the room, I, I ask them what their favorite pie is. Ooh. Oh, that's a, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Key Lam. I would yeah. Spend a long oh yeah, time answering
0: that yeah. And Florida, Key lime and I would have to say. Those are my two favorite. Oh, those are both great. I'd have to go with blueberry myself. Ooh, um, same. But but we have uh, one question. I know you have to get going, but we have one question. We like to ask all our guests at, at the end of our episodes, and it's just if you had to give those people listening a single tangible action, something practical that they can just stop listening and go do this, and this action would help maintain unity in the church. What one action would you
1: tell people to do? I'll give you two. I'll give you a bonus. Perfect. The first is prayer. Pray. We don't pray enough. And any issue that you have, whatever it is, needs to start with prayer. So I would encourage anybody, if you're talking about the whole church and church unity, um, yeah, prayers first and then evangelism. So there's this inward introspective look through prayer. And then there's the outward movement that evangelism requires you find a person that is praying fervently and sharing their faith regularly and they're not really at odds with a whole lot of people um you know that they are winsome they are kind and they are bold in their faith but in a way that is not abrasive Mm. particularly in our culture in the united states um so obviously if you're in other more persecuted areas of the world as a believer. It's a whole different topic, but we're talking North American context, prayer and evangelism before you do anything. And that'll, that'll solve 99% of your problems in the church. All right.
3: So is that what you think would happen if everyone just started praying and evangelizing, We would just
1: start solving problems? I, you know, you know what? It's a great question. I really do believe that. I really do believe that if your average church goer was fervent in prayer and active in evangelism, Almost every church would turn around, give it six months a year. Every church would be mm. turning around. I mean, you're talking about a, a massive movement of of God. I mean, it'd be revival is what it would be mm. if our churches were really full of praying people with evangelistic hearts. It'd be mm-hmm. absolute revival. Mm-hmm.
2: Amen.
3: Yeah. And now it's time for the last thing we do in the show before we get to the outro. It's our God moment segment. We just like to take a minute to share what God's been up to with us recently, whether it's a blessing moment of worship, a challenge, any of those things. And I almost always make Josh go first, but due to time constraints, Dr. Rainer, do you have a God moment for us today?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I recently baptized my son.
2: Oh, that's awesome. So, wow. That's exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, three of my four children that I am, legally responsible for um, have have accepted Jesus. So I have uh, three biological, one adopted. Um, the youngest is adopted. He's not quite ready. You know, he's younger, so he's not quite ready to receive Jesus. But the, the, the first three have. Uh, Joel, my son, just recently accepted Jesus. Uh, I was able to baptize him. I'm, I'm Baptist, so we baptize after <laughs> the profession of faith. I, I know that not everyone follows that order. Um, but, uh, that's the order we follow. And, uh, it was, an, it was just a thrilling, thrilling God moment. Um, praying for my youngest son, hopefully, you know, he'll be accepting Christ soon. And then we foster kids. So, um, we always have a house full of kids. And so there's any number of uh, gospel conversations that are occurring in our home with our foster children too. So, um, but that's a big God moment for me. A whole lot of fun. I'm proud of, proud of my boy. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. That's
3: awesome.
1: All right. Um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Uh thank you, Dr.
0: Rand for all your time and everything. Um, Brandon, we're gonna keep you around to finish okay. finish this out. Okay, fine.
1: <laughs> Honored to be on the show, guys. Um, thank you. Uh it was a very good interview. I very much appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Sounds like you guys have a lot of fun together. So <laughs> yeah. we keep, really keep enjoyed it. That. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. All right.
3: so josh uh do you have what i was gonna say are you gonna make me go yes go next then (laughs) do you have a god moment for us today
0: you know you know i i just assumed somehow i would i'd be here we go i'm gonna cheat are you ready for me to cheat yes i was on this other podcast earlier today uh, called my seminary life free plug (laughs) (laughs) brandon (laughs) is actually the host (laughs) And we were just talking about college stories and it was just a good time of reflecting of a the silly moments I've had in life. Some of the things I had to be thankful for and some of the people who really just made huge impacts on my life. And I don't know. It's just it was a good moment of thankfulness. So that's going to be my God moment. Now, Brandon can't use it. Yeah, (laughs) I had a
2: kid. All right. Now I trumped you. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a one. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, no, Cooper is well. Everything went pretty well. We had a bit of a scare there uh, initially, but he spent some time overnight in NICU and is all good. Mama is doing well as well. She actually recovered pretty quickly from the uh, procedure. Um, Yeah, we're all very happy. He's been home. Well, he's been here or here with us for a week. He actually was born. Fun fact. He was born on his due date. Which doesn't sound shocking until I tell you only 5% of babies are born on their actual due date. They're either- I was wondering. Yeah, I was like, I like, so can't was be that was not common. Oh, really?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. I'm the only punctual.
3: one. And the family. Very <laughs> punctual. Love it. I was early. Of course you were. <laughs> but my God moment today, uh, I got a sunburn.
2: I've only been on this show twice, and TJ always (laughs) has a fun one. (laughs)
3: Yeah, it's just, it feels good. You know, I don't get to spend a lot of time outside these days. Uh, It's nice to remember what it feels like. Hmm. And I'll be, you know, like dark brown in a couple of days, which is awesome.
2: Nice.
3: I hate being pale.
2: Yeah. Also,
3: it's because I got to spend time with my dad. That was the cool part. That is the cool part. Yeah, yeah. We're airplane a, models. Yeah. A remote control air show. Oh, Did that's you make cool. One? Make one. Did you make an airplane? I don't think you know how these work.
2: <laughs> I don't. Are they like models that you assemble or? Some of them. Okay. Usually just the larger ones. Okay.
3: Yeah. I, I do have a few, uh, but all but one of them came completed. Okay. Oh. Did you fly any? No, I don't want to do what? that. Not in front of the professionals. That's gotcha. fair. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to hit anyone else's several thousand dollar
2: remote control airplane. You know, now that you say that, I don't blame you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. We do have insurance, though. Very Damn. good insurance through the uh, Aeronautical Modelers Association of America. Something, One of those acronyms, the AMA. Hmm. Uh, Does that count as church administration? No, <laughs> but everyone that has an AMA membership has one million dollars of liability insurance. What? what,
2: dude? Go wreck someone's plane for
3: seventy? <laughs> yeah, for seventy-five dollars a year. Man, nice. crazy benefit. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's for like nice. if you like destroy a water tower or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: So next month on Systematic Ecology, our other podcast, TJ's going to be talking about how he geeks out on uh, model airplanes. Yeah, really? That's cool. I could do that.
3: Yeah, I'll just interview you. It'll be great. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You always have that choice. You can also share it with your cousins. Yeah, that's preferable. Um, preferable. We cousins like, usually we, check out what you tell them to.
0: Yeah, we like cousins around here. Um, yeah, and as I said, systematic ecology That's our other pot podcast uh, Brandon is also one of the co-host over there you can go to systematicecology.org to hear all of those episodes and if you really want you can hit host go down you can find my name you can find TJ's name you can find Brandon's name it has everything else we're on including Brandon's podcast my seminary life again that is my seminary life if you're on a podcast right now you can hit the search bar and say my seminary life and you'll find it yeah it's everywhere
3: all right and once again consider leaving us a one or a five-star rating on Apple podcast or spotify that helps us a whole lot you love to see them and thank you for listening to the whole church podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode next week we'll be jumping back into joe with our dividing scripture series to discuss the controversy around the existence of satan and i can't really read right now so i kind of thought that I said salon uh, and whether the church has to agree over the issue or not uh coming up after that we have another roundtable discussion with brandon knight pastor will rose joe day and father jonathan resmini And at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't think he knows, but it's going to (laughs) happen.
2: Wait, Francis Chan doesn't know? No. We'll figure it out. Sweet. Yeah. I love that optimism.
0: I should have that on my show. (laughs) (laughs) We've been doing it since the first episode. And, like, it was really funny when we had Matt Chandler on because it's like, now it sounds believable. We started this because it was not believable.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's why uh, at the end of season two, the residing Pope will be on the show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the season two finale. Awesome.
3: Probably not the current Pope. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But he doesn't speak English
3: anyway. So
0: be very long season two. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. Next week, we will have a roundtable discussion about church hurt with Father Jonathan Resmini, Pastor Will Rose, broadcaster Joe Day, and our friend Brandon Knight. And remember, you can always help sponsor the show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Thank you.